Hey guys, Kat here, the lead boss with the Revenue Accelerator podcast. And today I have Samantha Hartley. Now, Samantha is a badass um, in all intensive purposes and in every single way. So Samantha, no joke, is serious about making money and helping her clients do the same. She works with consultants who are stuck or trying to really grow and transition into leveling up that audience, leveling up how they're showing up in their business. And she helps them to multiply their revenue without exhaustion, right? So a lot of the same stuff that I do, but she has also, well, I wouldn't say, but, and she has amazing results, um, you know, and really it is about creating those transformational engagements. So one of the things that I love about Samantha is that she is hype all about delivery. It's not one of those, I'm going to sell you and see you. Thank you for your money. So Samantha's clients typically, now this isn't just those, you know, testimonials where these are, you know, out, you know, uh, uh, results are not to be expected kind of delineations, but typically at 150 to $600,000 in their first year together, right? Other results include a 22K offer, turning that into a 200K engagement, adding 400K to a contract in 24 hours. So, you know, small numbers. Um, she is also the host of the Profitable Joyful Consulting podcast and the Facebook group of the same name. So make sure you guys go check that out. Uh, so before starting her program, she just has a couple little bit of street credits here in terms of being uh, in the international marketing department for oh, Coca-Cola uh, in Moscow, Russia, and its Atlanta headquarters. She lives in Martha's Vineyard. So if her internet goes wonky, it's because of that um, with her husband and her fur babies. So Samantha, thank you for joining us today and allowing me to kind of love on you. <laughs> thank you. I love talking sales with other women. And I know as the lead boss that like, this is your jam. And so I'm super excited to talk with you. I love it. Okay. So like, here's the thing that I want to kind of call out to people. So a lot of people operate in a lack mindset. So when they would have something like this, a podcast or going on someone else's stage or whatever it is, they would not have someone who kind of plays in the same sandbox, yeah. someone who might potentially work with the same ideal clients. And what I want to be doing here is demonstrating that different people buy from different people because we show up differently. You and I are both action takers, go-getters and all that stuff. And we do provide the same level of service to the same audience in different ways yep. and in our own unique personalities. And so just a little plug there of guys, go and get people who do what you do on your podcast, because if someone's not going to buy from you, they may buy from that person. And you absolutely want to be the conduit to enable people to get to their solution faster. So just little mindset, little moment there. <laughs> Abundance mindset. Right. Like there's plenty. There is plenty and different people need different people at different times. And so you are someone's, you are preparing your client for someone else and other people are preparing them for you. Um, so you want to make sure you're creating those connections, building those relationships and creating that abundance all around you by leading by example. Samantha, how did you get involved in sales? Like as being one of the key focus areas of what you support your clients with? Um, uh, I mean, originally I'm, I was like an art student. And so I, I was in film really? and theater. Yeah. I'm an artsy <laughs> person. I was in film and theater. And then when I was in Moscow, Russia, as a film and theater student, I kind of ran out of money and start working and I started working for American companies. And that eventually led to uh, working with the Coca-Cola company. And like marketing is a job where you don't really need any official skills. Um, and so that's basically what I did is I did marketing for them. And then as part of that, I started doing um, key accounts, which is like the high level sales mm. accounts, right? Mm -hmm. Key and prestige accounts. So like the Kremlin and the Olympic committee and um, Hard Rock Cafe. Don't like fuck with you. You worked with the Kremlin. <laughs> 
Morning. And they, yeah, morning. Oh, we, we sell Coke to them. Yes. So, <laughs> so when there's like a press conference, you know, they have these like Coca-Cola bottles on their table. So those are key prestige accounts that we would work with. And um, that's kind of, that was where I started doing sales, which, you know, as you were saying earlier, I mean, I'm a believer that people buy confidence. And like, when they just stuck mm. me as like a 20 something year old there, I was like, okay, I guess I'll go just go into that sales meeting. Like I know what I'm doing. And I did, maybe it was the theater background. So anyway, that's a long ways away from what I then started doing, which was working with, you know, when I left um, corporate headquarters, I was an internal consultant there and started um, consulting on my own. It just seemed like when I looked around, I was like, no, people don't know how to sell Mm. and uh, they don't understand what it means. And they think it's awful and terrible. And they have all these associations with it. And so I realized that more and more I needed to kind of demonstrate a way to do that, that was palatable to them. And I worked a lot with with um, holistic and kind of more of the woo-woo businesses for a long time, because that was kind of who my friends and connections were. Being from the and, creative space. Yeah. yeah. And it was 50% of the time, completely ungratifying because these are people who are like, I hate all of this. And I'm like, well, here's the least hateful version of it. So then I was able to take that over to people who were like, I love selling. And I'm like, awesome. Here's the, here's an even better way to sell than what you're doing right now. Mm. So my clients right now will range from people who are like, mm, I'd rather not do marketing. It's kind of like broccoli, but I'm, I'll do it to people who are like, let me add them coach. Let me add them. Well, so you know, that's funner, right? Would you not love sales if you closed your clients consistently? I mean, I'm just saying, right? Like I see that there's a correlation between people who get a lot of no's and yeah. hating sales and yeah. people who love sales because it's not necessarily the chase because I don't get you as being someone who works with chasers, right? People no. who are hunting for clients and just the thrill of the clothes is all that they're yeah. going after. No, but um, I do love the thrill of the clothes. But <laughs> And you deliver. That's why I call yeah, that out right exactly. at the Well, exactly. I don't, th- I don't throw the mammoth carcass over there right. after. I'm done. I'm I like, got the trust. Oh, I'm good. Um, <laughs> but uh, what I what I would say about that is, uh, um, I to me, sales is a very intimate, um, com- you know, experience, communication experience. And a lot of times, I can convince people of that. That when someone comes to you, they're like, they have these hopes and dreams and wishes, and sometimes they haven't even revealed them to anyone else because they're so fragile and delicate that they fear if I tell somebody what my big dream is, that they will, um, you know, shit on my dream. And, and then I'll be stuck, uh, disappointed and broken without any support. And right now, at least I have imagined support. And so what, uh, when I come to them, what I'll tell them is let, if that person comes to you and you can get them to share that with you, like imagine how special that moment is. And then if you can say, I know how to do that. And I can do that with you. I can help you to achieve that. And then you do like these relationships that we can create are just amazing. I mean, to have had clients who have doubled their business, and this is like a $750,000 business that doubled, like that is so gratifying. And again, when, um, when she came to me, you know, there was vulnerability there. There was like, here's what we've done. And this is like beating us up and we're dying from this. And this is what we want. And we dream of this. Like, is that crazy? I'm like, that's totally not crazy. So that sales process where you engage in um, discovering someone's dream and sharing it, validating it, and then making that happen. I think that's like, that's why I call it like sacred to me. It's really, really, really valuable. You know, it takes a lot to one, I mean, uh, from the person on this other side of the sales call, right. To show up with vulnerability. I think it speaks a lot to someone's character to hold that space for someone so that they can feel comfortable enough to share it because it is, you know, it's opening up the kimono. It's like, you know, it's getting undressed in front of someone that you haven't really met before. And, you know, especially as women, you know, pieces of our body, we're not too 
you know, wanted to share too much. Totally. I'm all about body confidence, please. <laughs> please don't slide into my DMs with some hate. I'm all about it. But the reality is, is a lot of people are, are not totally yeah. confident, which ties back to, isn't that what sales is? I think so too. And I think that's, you know, the body things that you're bringing up to me are very related to money things. Yeah. It's all of this kind of like, can I value myself? Am I worth it? Um, is this, uh, again, is like, is my dream realistic and believable or is it crazy? And, and so to, I think that, um, that vulnerability piece is, uh, is so important for us to say, yes, you are that valuable. And, yeah. and I actually think bigger and bigger, and bigger, you know, things like that. So that, that's my passion. I love that. I love, I mean, part of what I love about what we do, right. Is our ability to see bigger results yeah. and dream bigger for our clients than they can for themselves, because mm-hmm. we're not tied to the fears and the anxieties that are blocking them from being able to see their own potential. Um, so speaking of all of that, in terms of our clients and things like that, how, how, like you help clients. I mean, one of the things that you talk a lot about is ha- creating that hundred K offer, which a lot of people are like, oh, trying to deal with a 10 to 20 K offer. So that hundred K offer and finding the people to help uh, the finding the people who will buy that offer. Mm -hmm. So can you break that down of what goes into a hundred K offer and then, you know, follow up on that in terms of how do you find the people who are willing to invest at that level? Uh, so for a lot of my clients, um, they're working with businesses mm-hmm. and, um, I, I won't say corporate because it doesn't only have to be corporate. Like I have a client who works with, um, two to $10 million businesses and she sold many hundred K offers to them. So, uh, when she started with me though, she was selling an average client was like about $3,000 her work for them. And so over time we've gotten that bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, so if you want to sell a hundred K offer, you basically need to bring someone you know, between 500,000 and a million dollars in value. Right. Right. So if you think about it in those terms, it tells you who those clients are, who out there can get a 500,000 to million dollar return. That means either savings or earnings. Right. Uh, Probably at least a $2 million company um, and maybe a little bit higher. So um, I know people are selling luxury packages to um, in, in B2C. This is not that. I'm talking about B2B, what kind of a business. Yeah. Um, this, is, this won't be a luxury right. when you do a 100K offer. It's like, this is going to be what they need. So for many of my clients, when, uh, I, you know, plenty of them came to me and they're like, you know, we sell a 500K already. So this is not a thing. Uh, and then we've just worked on, you know, making that bigger and bigger and restructuring and getting more profitable and all that kind of thing. But when somebody first comes to me and they're like, so a good example is my client, Cheryl, and she had been doing um, a day rate uh, for a year uh, and her day rate was like uh, $3,000. And sometimes she works with really big companies and sometimes companies tell you what they'll pay you. So sometimes they were paying her like $125 an hour. And she was just doing this projecty stuff. And this is what a lot of consultants get trapped in. I would say coaches do this too. They do a short-term thing mm-hmm. and then they leave and short-term things get um, a kickoff towards results, but they, or, or they get a small result, but they don't get what I call a transformational result. Yeah. And so I think the opportunity for all of us is to work um, longer and get bigger results for clients. So Cheryl, like me, when I was first starting out, had done a lot of little projects. Mm. But when I said, do you have any case studies or any success stories? She was like, well, you know, it was a priority and then it wasn't a priority or like the kind of, we, we did some good stuff, but it's not like, you know, a, a, an earth shattering uh, story I'd want to go tell. So that's when you realize like, I need to do better work mm. that makes bigger, bigger impact. So 
because she was working with me, she immediately turned around and the fee that she was paying me, she immediately charged that, which is what happens a lot. Yeah. If you go like, dude, if I can invest that, like surely right. that company can invest that. I'm willing else. to receive that in return. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, five or 10 K a month, they're like, oh, I'll do it. Um, so she uh, was the kind of work she was doing. And what I teach is that it takes at least a year for transformation to happen and stick. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So again, in a six week program, you can get some transformation, but when that you leave, A lot of times people fall back into their own habits. Some parts of that will stay, but massive transformation, especially in an organization where there are people and there are priorities that shift and things like that. So the first thing you need to think about is working on a time horizon a year Mm -hmm. that um, where you can bring like zoom out and think about like, what is all the stuff that you would do for that client? So you got a client between, um, you know, $2 million and a billion and they have a problem. And you're going to go solve that problem. I would say that people problems, which is what a lot of my clients solve, are like, they're so valuable that almost any company will pay. It's definitely 100K. You know, right off the bat, what is this statistic? If someone leaves the company, it's a $55,000 loss, right? In terms of the knowledge, in terms of the training, in terms of the ramping up immediately. So if we think about client, I mean, employee retention, just as a baseline, most people can help in some capacity with that right Mm -hmm. there, you're saving them that amount of money. So inefficient meetings, same thing. Like if it's 12 people in a meeting and it's an hour of company time for each, that's 12, you know, it just, all of this stuff adds up so much. So what we think about is who can get that value. Mm. And we think about if I were to work on a minimum of a year long duration, and then, um, you know, the question that a lot of times people will say was, what would I have to do for a hundred thousand? Like what, what, they would owe me, own me. The client would like 40 what? hours, a week, 45 <laughs> hours a week, you yep. know, like it would be, I'm trading up my entrepreneurship yep. for another J-O-B. Yep, exactly. And I'm like, no, they're going to be one of 10 clients you work with. You're going to zoom in. You're going to do your magic trick for them. You're going to zoom out. You're going to give them homework. You'll zoom out. You'll come back in and do some more stuff. So um, this is where having your signature system and knowing you get results. Mm -hmm. To me, the intellectual exercise is what's the least that I can do to get them to do the most that they need to do in order to get the results. So it's so much more about what, about you creating a container for transformation and holding that container. Um, And then ideally like having a signature system for, for that to happen. And so Cheryl, this is my client that I talked about who, um, who came to me doing $3,000 a day, what she has is she'd written a book and she has like just tons of IP. So she and I worked to get that IP out of her head in the form of signature systems mm-hmm. so that she could sell that into these clients and then implement that stuff. And over uh, in the first year with me, she'd also been working with clients who were too small. So as you're suggesting, like they need to be of a certain size. And in her case, they were too small because she has like a corporate model for how to transform organizations and uh, teams and people and divisions. And so her heart was with these little mom and pops, but I was like, she can't, she can't implement what you're talking about. Like you're having these little meetings about her staff of two. That's not, this is not where your gift is too powerful for that. Yeah. Yeah, Yes, exactly. It was like a Ferrari for a lady who's like, I need a Honda fit. (laughs) So, um, so water from a fire hydrant. You need some nozzles and adjustments to get the exactly. circle. <laughs> exactly. So when she got the right size clients, this is a beautiful thing. Well, first of all, in that first year, um, she added um, five clients. It was $600,000 in new revenues. So she went from 150 to 750 in her first year with me. And here's what she's doing now. When she sells in her model, a lot of times people are like, but if I work on like three, I work three months at a time, how would I sell in a year long thing? Like that seems crazy. I'm like, here's how she does it. She's selling in, uh, um, 
her full model. And she says, well, the kind of transformation that you're looking for usually takes about um, three to five years to happen. But what we would do in the first year is this. Yeah. She's so here. We just framed the whole, yeah. totally. We just framed the whole thing as like, you've got, you, you think your problem is big. It's way bigger than you think. It's like, we don't solve this kind of thing. I mean, we can work, I can work on it in a 90 day engagement, but that's not going to fix your problem. So say. that's, that's the way to position and sell in these transformational engagements. And hundred K is only big, the beginning. The lady that I added 400,000 uh, to her um, engagement overnight, that's an $800,000 engagement. And I thought it was super underpriced, but, and this is important, that's the value she could stand in. That was like the, the highest number she could ask for uh, credibly, like without, you know, imploding triggers, um, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was her number. Yeah. So how do people leverage? So I know like, for example, there's a lot of people who've come from the corporate space, right? I mean, I know a lot of my audience members are those people and they've gone into entrepreneurship and somewhere along the line, they completely devalued all of their experience. It's like they had to wipe the, the, the whiteboard clean mm-hmm. and not leverage. Like we would, if we went to another job, right? Like yeah. we understand that if we went to another job, we would take all our skill sets over and demand more money. However, yeah. when you go to an entrepreneurship, it's like a demotion somehow. So what would be your advice to people who have this corporate background, who are Mm -hmm. trying to target a higher level, you know, um, uh, in client, if you will, who has that 2 million plus, like following Mm -hmm. your direction, what is it that they need to have in place to ask and receive that money? Um, The first place I would look for that is uh, at my previous employer. Very often your first big clients are going to be, and and your transformational clients are going to be the ones uh, at the place that you just left. So in my case, it wasn't actual Coca-Cola company, but um, I had tons and tons of colleagues who left and my first consulting engagements were with them. So what you have already is brand credibility with them. They already know and trust you and they kind of know what you're capable of. Uh, The second piece that I think is really important is speak the language, know the problems. Um, We always say, you know, you don't want to use jargon in your marketing because like nobody knows what like what's the economic value and what's the blah, blah, blah. But you do want to use the jargon that your people understand. So you're speaking their language and they go, oh, okay, got it. Um, if you're, when you're looking to up-level your audience, you know, there's a, a small startup organization is going to be having these kinds of culture problems, for example, but this kind of an organization is going to have a different sort of culture problems. So if you can speak to these, uh, this level of problems at the top. Um, and, you know, again, like be able to tell stories, be able to say specifics that, that they're talking about. Those people will hear and resonate with that. Mm. <clears throat> and a lot of times we talked about like the difference between um, like problem oriented and aspiration oriented. Uh, sometimes you can work with really successful clients and the problem for them isn't that they're struggling with like this, these minimal things. A lot of times the struggle for them is between where they are and where they want to be. So I consider this like people who are struggling to get better. um, uh, So bad to good. And then there's other people I work with who come to me and this is a good to great exercise. They're like, dude, we're making good money, but our aspiration, we really want to earn so much more than that. Mm. So that, that gap, and this is, I think, true for achievers, that gap is painful. Like the gap between where you are and where you want to be, that's a different kind of language to speak. And it could be that way for the organizations that you're talking about. Like the pain for them might be like, oh, like we know we could be better than this. We like, we have top talent. We want to, we want to get even better talent or, or whatever. 
Right, right. No, absolutely. So what are the the things that people are tripping over on when it comes to really getting out there in a big way? So we're, you know, we're talking about mindset, we're talking about those components. And I think it has a lot to do with sales. Mm-hmm. Where are you seeing people get in their own way when they've got the credibility, they've got the previous or at least some previous connections, they have the capability to maybe structure an offer over the course of a year and kind of doing those things that you advised earlier? Yeah, I think visibility. I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of times people are like, well, uh, either they don't know what to do or they feel like, well, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm posting. And it's like, well, that's clearly not enough. If you're, if you should be generating leads. I know I'm talking to the lead boss. You should be generating leads consistently. And if what you're doing isn't generating leads consistently, then you're invisible. Mm-hmm. You don't know that you're invisible, but you're invisible. So what's a great pass fail in this is, are you generating leads? No, or some, but not enough. Okay, so some, but not enough means, um, the, are, are they good leads, right? The, might, might mean the message is right, but you're just not visible enough. Right. And, and I think, you know, one thing that the pandemic took away from us was a, the way that a lot of us generate leads, which is either networking or speaking mm-hmm. or speaking at conferences and then networking. You know what I mean? A lot of the people-oriented things. But we do have other opportunities. And I think the, um, you know, I'm not a grind person because I don't think we should work that way. I think it's unkind to ourselves, but I am a hustle person. I'm like, listen, do the thing, do the brave thing, like get out there, put yourself out there in front of um, new people and like, look at what's working for other people. So I think that people feel like I am being visible. I'm everywhere. I'm like, well, for your audience, you're not yet everywhere. So to me, that's the, that's the biggest piece. And I do think that there's a little self-sabotage in there for a lot of people of like, they, they know they should be more visible. So I'm, I'm sure anybody hearing this is like, <laughs> <laughs> right. So let me build the question. The next question is, is how do you get more visible and where do you think people should be spending their time with their visibility strategy? Because I mean, you talked about LinkedIn and there's, there's content there, but there's other yeah. levels of visibility. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm a big fan of being visible in your local area, Mm. your local market, you, you are a rock star in your local market. Whereas on LinkedIn, you're like one of all of them, you know, you're one of 6,000 connections somebody has. And yes, you can do a lot of things to stand out. I mean, online, primarily LinkedIn is the channel. I say that with that tone of voice, because I'm not a fan of LinkedIn. I, I just don't like many things about it and it bugs me. And it's the place that I got to spend the most time. So I prefer, you know, Twitter over all social media, but <laughs> that's just not what's going to happen. So um, LinkedIn, I think you got to post consistently. You have to do events and you have to um, message, you know, have conversations with people in the inbox, not crappy douchey conversations, but yes. like real conversations like you would have with somebody at a coffee shop or at the, at the coffee shop at the conference, if you just met them and expressed sincere desire, like have a conversation like you would with me if we met, you know, that kind of thing. So that whole uh, angle is the kind of effort that I think a lot of people aren't making. In your local market, I'm like, is there, you know, where the, was the chamber meeting on Zoom? Can you go down to, uh, is there like a BNI? Is there like, where can you meet your target audience in your town? Mm-hmm. Because uh, in so, so many cases, and I mean, I just had like my consultancy thrived in a, in a local market when I was in a local market. I've, now I'm in a kind of a tourism hospitality economy on an island. So um, that doesn't work as much for me, but it doesn't mean that I haven't gone off island to places where there were cities like Boston and Providence and done networking there. And that's where a lot of my clients have come from. Here's another cool thing to do is um, I've used LinkedIn to meet people in my local area. 
Mm. Right. So you have that little amplification effect. They're like, oh, you're in West Tisbury, crazy. I'm in whatever. And I used to go to the vineyard all the time. I'm like, look at the little, you know, um, spark. Reason to have a conversation. Yeah, exactly. So to me, there's, you know, there's a finite number of ways that you can get clients and yet an infinite number of, of variations on those things. And direct outreach is just a very powerful one. And I think when we think about sales, this is the classic one that people think about. It's like, you know, going to somebody's door and knocking on it or, or cold calling. I'm not suggesting that, but I am suggesting going to a, like targeting an individual and being like, that is a company I'd like to work with. They're here in our local town. Um, I think my mom went to school with the CEO. You know what I mean? It's you. You have these connections in your local town uh, that can be amazing. Uh, when I was new in my town, I did like um, a meeting tour, mm-hmm. and I I had a few people. I'd never been um, there as an adult because I'd grown up there. And this is when I lived uh, in another state. And what I did was I I went to the few people that I knew and I said, hey, who should I meet? And they mm-hmm. said, so-and-so and so-and-so. And then I just would bounce from person to person to person and meet those people and be like, at the end of the thing, I'd be like, thanks so much for meeting with me. Who else should I meet? And then they would tell me. And I, of all of the people that I talked to, only two people didn't take a meeting with me, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> um, uh, and so many people did. And those connections turned into work over like the next five years. Like I could trace jobs that I got um, five years on to people I'd met, like in that first little listening tour I went on. So um, to me, that's, that's direct outreach, right? I just like went to people and I didn't say, can you hire me? I said, what do you do? What cool stuff are you involved in? Who should I know? What things should I be involved in? I'm new. I don't know. And so new is a great excuse. Mm. Um, and, uh, the pandemic's just ended is a great excuse, right? Or, or kind I'm of looking to get back out there. Where are you hanging out? All that yes, stuff. Exactly. Hey, I, uh, or I, it was so great to meet you on LinkedIn. I realized I'm local and I thought we should have coffee. So, I love how you're talking about not only just current connections, but previous connections. And it's kind of like a, like a decision tree almost in a way, in terms of like getting like a family tree of, of, of jobs, (laughs) opportunities. What do you leverage in terms of keeping all of that organized? Because there has to be a system in place when it comes to making sure and tracking and knowing who knows what and what came from where. Yeah. It's still chaos. (laughs) <laughs> so I work with a lot of people and I look at what they use and it's still case when you have conversations in messenger. And this is the thing I don't like about LinkedIn messenger. I feel like you should LinkedIn, you should help us organize these conversations. Like, can I have some tags or something like that? Oh, and help us. <laughs> and I know, and I know sales navigator can do so. So I use sales navigator. That's one thing I use. And I have groups, which are not huge. I have small groups. Um, so I can see these are leads of this. And these are people who are, you know, um, you know, professional, um, women or women founders. And then so subgroups in there, uh, I have a, a proper CRM for uh, list building and things like that. And then I do a lot of stuff in an Excel spreadsheet that I made years ago. I have a thing called the leads tracking sheet. And it basically says, here's who I met. Here's the conversation I had with them. Here's um, my next step. And then here's when I'm going to check in with them. And then I take that, whatever that said, and I put it onto my calendar mm-hmm. because uh, my calendar rules everything. And then I'll, you know, I'll be going along and I'll look at next week and I'll be like, Oh, follow up with Jerry. Okay. Yep. I will. And then you find you a know. reason to engage and all that other stuff. Like it's not just follow up. Hey, are you making a buying decision? It's yeah. following up with, Hey, how's it going? How's yeah. Susie? You know, you told me last time she just got into soccer. Exactly. I love to, you know, it, did she, did she, 
are they still going around in clumps on the field or are they actually, you know, strategically <laughs> doing something with their feet? Really playing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And, uh, Hey, I remembered you uh, last time we spoke, you'd bought a building and you wanted to really kind of wait, uh, on, um, talking about anything else. How's that, uh, that gone? And, you know, would you have some time to talk? Yeah. Well, and, and there's this unattachment that is conveyed right now, especially yeah. with what, how you're engaging, which is, mm-hmm. look, you're just keeping in touch. It's not, you know, I am targeting, you know, Joe has to buy in September because yeah. that's when I've marked him in my, you know, my projection calendar, you know, for the year kind of situation. Yeah. And it sounds like obviously, you know, cause this is what I do too, in terms of mm-hmm. having enough people to talk to and not being hyper focused on any one or two people, because that's yeah. when we get into that place of lack. Well, what I find is that people will wedge uh, work really hard to wedge a not perfect client into a buying situation because they're desperate. Yeah. And what, uh, so then I'll have a conversation. I'll be like, but you said he wasn't a perfect fit. No, I know, but I really need clients right now. I'm like, this is we're we're I'm giving you, I can't give you good advice about this situation because it is a fundamentally broken situation. So what I need you to do is go get way more leads. Yeah. Right. right. Like this to me is the, is the key. If you can be non-attached when you have lots of options, when you have a pipeline. Uh, and I've, uh, I'll talk to my clients about this too, because uh, one of their, one of the things that's true of them isn't that my, they tend to come to me, not when they need clients, but because they've had all the clients they can handle and they want to grow, but they will, if they do, they'll implode. Mm-hmm. So I'm very often talking to people about, um, making uh, continuing marketing during that time. So having a pipeline that's full. So I talked to my clients who are, they're thriving, they're as busy as they can be and things are going great. And I'm like, let's talk about your pipeline. And they're like, it's not that great. I'm like, that's scary because here's like one, two disasters with these clients and you're done. Yeah. We'd have a very different conversation. So we have to be diligent about and this is what I think is, you know, it's like, um, buying groceries when you're not hungry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it yeah. seems like, it <laughs> doesn't seem like a great idea, but we, that's, it's one of the disciplines of being successful in business is realizing, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm doing 250,000 a year and I'm feeling pretty good. And like, this is the most money I've ever made. And I'm really psyched with this. It's like, you still need to be consistently marketing and generating leads on an ongoing basis. Well, where would I put them? We'll talk about that, but you'd be generating them for now. It's amazing. And I see this all the time. Um, I think that there's actually here, my, here's my theory. There's less fear of failure than there is fear of success. I think more people are afraid of success and it prevents them from doing the work than there are people who are afraid to fail. I completely Um, agree with you. Yeah. Like failure has been a thing that we've all experienced throughout our entire life, but success is something that we've not all really consistently achieved in the way that we wanted to, and not that big, you know, audacious goal and dream that we want. Yeah. Um, and when you're succeeding, uh, that's when like your time, you're slammed with client yeah. work, your time goes away. You're like almost drowning. Like for a few people I know, they've had those moments. And I had those, a couple of those early on. And what I learned was to adjust to that. Mm. Um, but when I've had people come to me and, and they're, you know, I had a client who was just crying. She's like booked solid and too busy. And it was going to be that way for the next like four months. And so we literally couldn't do anything about those initial months. And we had to look beyond that, but then we could make things better for her. Right. Uh, so that like, I, I know a lot of people are like, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> I'm like, 
let's just mark it in any way. And when we come to that, we can handle it. But, but that's the you know thing I mean. is when you're achieving that level of success and you're charging your worth, then mm-hmm. the understanding is, is that you have the resources to invest in creating yeah. and supporting and, and putting together more of your team, right? Yeah. So we go from the one or two VAs to someone who's a little bit more consistent, predictable, and dependable right. and mm-hmm. building out that team to support us in scaling and growing our business. Exactly. It's a different solution. If that's your problem, if your problem is, dude, I'm slammed with work uh, and I'm dying here. Let's talk about leverage. Yeah. That's very different. If your thing is like, I want to sell more hundred K's and I don't, and I, but I'm not quite generating enough leads. That's where we're going to need to talk about strategic visibility or we need to talk about um, uh, brand and message. Right. Right. And, and I think that's a big key. So there are a lot of people that I see who are starting and growing their businesses. And, and, you know, you talked about the people who have three twenty you know, $3,000, $4,000 offers, yeah. maybe even over the course of 90 days and some people even over the course of a year. Right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Take a moment. Cause oh. <laughs> but we all it's remember those days. Case. We yeah. remember those days. We went through that. We went through yeah. that fire and we're like, never again. Yeah when you just talked about brand and messaging and you talked a little bit earlier about talking at that next level so that the people you do want to work with kind of aspire and they get, they're wanting to work with you because you're talking above where they are currently at. Yeah. Where are you seeing people make the biggest mistakes when it comes to their branding and messaging when they're trying to attract a higher level client? Inconsistency. Mm -hmm. So when you're transitioning, here's a funny thing is that uh, you want to work with next level clients, but who you're working with now are not them. And so what used to work for you doesn't work right now. And what's going to work for you doesn't work yet. And so that's kind of a sucky place to be. The opportunity is though, to say, I'm, I'm looking at the target. I'm looking forward at the, at the place I want to be at my goal and I'm speaking that language. And so you have to go through all your stuff and eliminate all of the, like the struggle language in, ex- in exchange for the aspiration language, or you have to eliminate the, you know, any, anything that describes a client that you don't want to work with anymore. And that's, uh, again, it's speaking to this discipline. It doesn't mean you have to eliminate all those blog posts on your website. It just means that all of your communication going forward needs to be aligned with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I see that happen when some people are sharing like lead magnets or content, right. They're repurposing and they're they're pulling back from years ago. And you know, I am absolutely advocate repurposing, but in alignment with who you're trying to achieve, um, to work with essentially. And I see this, um, you know, I talk about it in terms of friction in your business, like where's that friction that's not really helping you kind of progress. And that's a friction point when you're elevating your audience. Cause I think a lot of people go through that and iterations of it Mm -hmm. as you work with more people. And it's kind of the feeling of blowing up your business of being like, I know this. And it's that space of like, I'm holding on from one side and I'm trying to get over here, but I can't, I've got to let go before I can really have a firm grip on the next space. It's really hard. It's an uncomfortable place to be, which is a great place to get a coach. Because yeah. um, what I would say is like um, a massive up level, but especially transition is the time to get a coach. Yeah, that support hard. is absolutely key. What do you think are some of the key qualifiers that help you identify the right person to support you in the area that you're struggling in right now? I, uh, to me, it's uh, important to, to choose people who... Um, like speak the language of your, of, of your, like they know your world and your audience. Um, and I think it's important that they have gotten results for people like you. I've talked before. I just did an episode on, um, finding a coach. And one of the things that I talked about was a coach I'd had in the past. And what she was amazing at is getting results for herself, but 
didn't quite know how to break down what she did so that she could get it for other people, which is like that, that's a skill. And I don't think she didn't know that she couldn't do that. But, but what I saw, I was in a mastermind group and there was like 20 of us in there and two of us got results. I got results. Cause I'm like, by God, I'm going to get results. Yeah. Uh, I can see that she doesn't know how to do that. And I uh, doesn't know how to t- kind of translate her. She was just had natural gifts. Right. And it, it was like, write an email. It's like, yeah, when you write an email, people buy stuff. And when the average person writes an email, they don't. So, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. And I don't blame her for that. I don't think she, I don't think she knew what she couldn't do there. Um, and then there was one other co- um, couple who did, and because they were an ex- experienced business. And when you're experienced in business, one of the things you know is how to adapt somebody else's thing to what you're doing. Um, but people don't always know how to do that. So I would say, look at client results and say, oh, this person clearly knows how to get results for other people like me. Um, and three things, I don't know, that you that you you're, uh, share their values. Because I'm not a hustle and grind person. And so if people come to me and they're like, but I want to hustle and grind. I'm like, well, then you should work with somebody else because yeah. I'm, I'm, I can't support that because I think it's unsustainable. Right. Absolutely. Oh, that's so amazing. Um, anything else that you think people are missing in terms of opportunities when it comes to leveling up their audience, leveling up their offer and getting those two to connect? The, the key thing that I want to say is that when people, if you have a $5,000 offer, you could easily have a $15,000 offer. If you have a $15,000 offer, 10 or 15, you could either have a 25,000, et cetera, right? You see where I'm going 25, you could have a 50, 50, you could have a hundred. Um, so if for people who feel like when they hear this, they feel like, well, that's just so far away. I'm like, okay, well, you don't sell a hundred K offer, but you've been selling fives and you sell some 25s. Life's pretty good. And you're on the path towards, right? If you are like, I only sell 25s, which a lot of people come to me are like, I have a 25, but that's the biggest I have. I'm like, cool, well, let's figure out how to do a 50 or a 75. And that's going to get you on the path towards it. As I said earlier, I have people who come to me and they're like, well, we just sold this thing that was 138. I'm like, great, let's sell a 250. So, you know, uh, it is a spectrum and it's all about like you figuring out what uh, what your value is and what uh, your perfect client needs and how you can kind of overlap those things. So who needs exactly what you do? Um, and the next level, I've talked about perfect clients, but I also talk about next level clients. Those yeah. are people who kind of like pull you into your next level of your genius. Here's what they look like when they show up. You're like, I don't know. I don't think they need anything. I mean, they seem pretty perfect. Uh, what would I do with them? And the more you kind of dig around and scratch, you're like, oh, okay, hold on, hold on. I think that's not as perfect as I thought it was. So compared to your current clients, they look like they have, they've got all those problems solved. They look like they're perfect. However, um, they're going to, they're going to present to you as they hardly need anything. The more you dig, you're going to be like, oh, well, I think I could figure out how to solve that. So they're pulling your next level of genius through you, which to mm. me is super exciting. Some people, People are like, ah, I don't want to learn anything else. <laughs> but other people are like, that's very exciting. So when somebody shows up and you feel like, well, I don't even know if I could help them, they came to you. So think about, I'm, I'm willing to, to be outside of my comfort zone and my, my obvious genius zone. And I think I could get them results. So that's what a next level client will look like for you. What's your favorite way? This is, I think, my last question. What's your favorite way to engage your ideal clients online? I know LinkedIn is not your favorite, but you're there hanging <laughs> out. Um, you know, assuming you've got things going, you've got your visibility, you've got client yeah. results. What's your favorite way to engage in that non obviously sleazy salesy way yeah. to create that connection? I love chat. I'm just, it's, you know, I chat with my friends and I chat with people and um, I chat in messenger. I coach some of my clients by messenger. I just love to be a messenger. So when people like people will write me fan mail through LinkedIn and we'll just start conversations. And so I like, I really, you know, 
I don't love all people, <laughs> but I love my people. And, right. I, and when I'm having a conversation with somebody, um, that makes it super fun. So I'm happy to put out content on LinkedIn and all the other places. I also have, have you mentioned my Facebook group. Uh, and then for people, you know, I like to have a one-on-one conversation. I'm more of a kind of a small groups person. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not, I'm not there for your thousand person conference, but, um, yeah, I just, I, I like to do that just for the same reason at networking events. I'll talk probably a little too long to a few individuals. I should probably meet more people, but I'm really interested in this person. And that's, that's my favorite way. Yeah. Real true connection. Uh, like I say, valuing the relationship over the transaction, because that's the opportunity, not just the credit card number. Totally. Um, Samantha, you've been like so amazing. I know you've got this amazing gift to share with people. So can you please tell us how people can get in touch with you and what you have for them? Thank you. I have, uh, we've just created this thing and took a really long time, but it's amazing. So it's called sixfigureclients.com. Well, that's the URL where you can get it in the number six, sixfigureclients.com. Um, and uh, the name of it is the definitive guide to winning six figure clients. And so it's, uh, I've explained all of the kind of the mindset and the how to of getting six figure clients. And I have video case studies of a few of my clients who have done this. And then there's some exercises, worksheets uh, at the back where you can create your hundred K offer or whatever it is. Um, and just uh, like discover a lot more things. So uh, by working through these exercises, so it's a really big freebie. It's probably too big, but I was like, this is what I want to make and give. Uh, so that's a six clients.com. They can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Samantha Hartley there. Uh, and as you said, like uh, search for the Profitable Joyful Consulting Group on Facebook and join Fantastic. us. Fantastic. Guys, all of those links will be in the show notes for you guys to leverage. Make sure you go grab that because if there's one thing, again, that I know about Samantha is that she delivers not only for her clients, but also for her network and the people she's connected to. Um, Samantha, any parting words that you want to share with the audience? Yes. Thank you so much for having me and for engaging in just like an honest and open conversation about sales. I hope it is demystifying for the people who are listening because um, I know that you have just this no-nonsense refreshing way of of selling and it makes it seem doable. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. Mm -hmm. It's been great.